Hi, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making is keeping us hidden, and that in fact keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well, as well by providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Welcome, everybody. I trust that you've had a good holiday season, and we're getting into the holiday season in Florida. It's actually winter for the first day. Uh, a little bit nippy outside, but it's kind of fun and, and enjoyable to put a sweater on one day out of the year. And I'd like to welcome my my guest today. He comes to us from Greece. She's actually Canadian and uh, is on this great visit the world adventure in her life. And I'm so excited for her and, and uh, grateful that she's able to connect. Um, this is a totally international Teleseries this week, and uh, I, we we were able to connect with Greece, and I would like to welcome Miss Shane Moore. Hey, Shane, are you there? I'm here. Can yeah, you hear me? I can hear you. I hope everybody else can hear you. So speak up, stand up, speak up, because Greece is a long way from here, and even though we're connected, sometimes it goes in and out. But Shane, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited. The last time I saw you, we we were sitting on the beach in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> yes, we were. <laughs> We've come a long way since then. We were actually down there with um, with uh, Sammy Blindell and, and her husband and um, working on our businesses. And we will talk about that in a little bit because a lot's happened since then. But Shane, I want our series here, Stand Up and Speak Up, is about people that have had things happen in their lives. And you know my story about the the online dating scam, um, yes. and it's not about what we did; it's about where we ended up and how we rose from that situation. And I didn't know a whole lot about you. I've heard bits and pieces, but I went to notes to my younger self this morning, and you are an author in I think is it volume three, volume two actually, volume two, volume two, yeah, and. Last and I read your story in volume two. I'd read it before, but I read it again, and I found out so much about you. And it's really interesting, in spite of the distances that we live away from each other, we really do have a lot in common. And that's what I found by doing Stand Up and Speak Up, is that no matter who we are or what our experience has been in life, we have something in common. And that's the greatest thing about this show. So we're gonna jump right in, my dear. And we'll talk about feeling stuck in your own body and how we can release it, but we're going to go back in time a little bit. I'd like to talk about when you were young and a little bit younger, 
And what were those defining moments in your life that you feel like started you off on your grand journey of life? How young are we talking? How far well, back I know you? your pivotal moment came when you were a little bit older and you were working, but as a child, were you outgoing or what, what were you like as a child? Uh, well, as a kid, I was, I would say I was more introverted. Um, I mean, I'm outgoing with friends and people that I know, but when I'm in a group situation where there's a lot of people that I don't know, I'm a, more of an observer. So I tend to kind of hang back and just, you know, listen to other people talk and just kind of get the lay of the land and, and get a read on people. And I think maybe at that point, I, even though I wasn't super aware of it, I was, you know, my energy was, I was reading people's energy and connecting with, with that as well, which is something that I do more now, but I do it more with more awareness now. But back then, yeah, I would say I was definitely more introverted but but active, you know, and and athletic and that sort of thing. So if you can have a combination, that was me. Well, no, actually, I understand that part. And, and I was reading this morning too about um, when you were younger too. You had you had we're going to go right here. You had weight issues. So did I. Yeah. And that's when yeah. people would say, "Oh, well, you're strong. You're athletic. You've got big bones." Yeah. You remember hearing those things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a few times. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think, like looking back, you know, I mean, I wouldn't say by today's standards that I had weight issues. Like nope. I, you know, like I had a bit of belly. Like I, I wouldn't say that I was diagnosed as clinically obese or anything like that. But my sister used to call me fat all the time. But, you know, she's doing that just to get make me mad or whatever, right? Because that's what kids do at that age. But uh, but it was kind of subconsciously reinforced by my grandmother who used to tell me to hold my stomach in on a regular basis. And I'm just like, why? You know, and so I did. And now I can't stop. So, yeah, interesting. Well, it is interesting, too, because it makes you um, I mean, I had that issue. I still do. I look in the mirror and I still see, you know, my younger self and, you know, bigger bones yeah. and we don't have them. I mean, it's the same bones. Um, exactly. But it's interesting how that <laughs> has not a, it affects us though. It, it, that that stays <laughs> no. with us, and it's, it's wrong, but it does stay with us. And and uh, I'm sitting here pulling my shoulders back because I can hear my daughter say, "Mom, put your shoulders back. Put your shoulders back." <laughs> and you're tall too. You're like me. You're a tall girl. And uh, yep. yep. So it's like okay, let's be those tall, strong, athletic, big bone girls, and just you know have fun in life. But. When you were young, too, you had a situation happen um, that could have been dangerous for you physically. Um, you were a victim of what? It's a victim of circumstances. Um, I, I, read some, I read in your story that you, you, um, you built up walls after something happened to you because you had to protect okay. yourself. Yeah, that was a, a situation. I I believe I was eight or nine, if if memory serves. And there's uh, a boy next door who was a few years older than me, um, had asked me over to just uh, to come in the house or whatever. And and his he was there by himself. His his parents weren't home. Um, and his and after a, you know I was there. I was probably in there for about 15 minutes. And eventually his intention to you know, 
breach certain boundaries. I mean, he was, what, 12 or 13 at the time. So, yeah, he knows a little bit more than I do about these circumstances and these situations and what he wanted from me. But I kind of realized what he was trying to do and when he started to try to do it. Like, he basically just tried to undo my shorts. And as soon as that happened, I just up and left. And I, you know, and I just, and I knew I had the presence of mind not to just, stay there and let it happen. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it just gave me a different awareness of, you know, of what certain boys wanted or, you know, just to, you know, kind of insulate myself, I guess, a little bit and, and not trust a lot of people. Right. It added to the walls of not trusting. And um, as a child, you know, again, those things stick with us. And, did it change the way you treated people or or treated the boys at that time? Um, I don't think it changed the way I treated many other boys because I was I mean I was a tomboy growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I and the and my neighborhood friends were mostly boys because that's just who was in the neighborhood. I had a couple of close female friends, but they, I mean, the people that lived right next door to me or just down the street were boys. And, and I was, might have a younger brother and he and I were good friends as kids. And so we, I just spent a lot of time hanging out with the boys and it was never an issue prior to this, this incident with this other boy. Um, but I don't really recall that it it changed my level of trust with any of the others because we were had been good friends all my life essentially and and this boy that lived next door to us this other boy um like he was older like he wasn't in our group of friends Hmm. um and so i didn't like he might have been kind of on the periphery but he wouldn't really have hung around with us because he was at least three years older than than all of us so you know 13 year olds are not generally hanging out with 10 year olds But it does happen, I suppose. But yeah, so I don't think it really changed anything as far as that goes. But uh, well, I would have I would have brought out a right right hook and probably you know knocked him in the jaw because <laughs> I grew up with brothers too. I'm surprised I didn't thinking about it because I you know I I was perceived as being potentially more aggressive. Like I think I the perception other kids had of me was as a tough kid. Yeah, that I wouldn't put up with stuff, but I've never really actually got into a fight with anybody except for my brother one time, you know, and and he was the only one I've ever had like a full on fist fight with. And I think we might have been eight or nine. I would have been eight or nine, maybe 10 at the time. And he's a year and a half younger or something. So, you know, we weren't very old and it wasn't a serious fight. But but yeah, I mean, that was the perception was that if somebody crossed me I would kind of kick their ass so to speak so well and it's interesting though that the profession you entered into we're going to move forward a little bit was into the correction system and that's a tough place to be especially I mean I'm going to say especially as a woman but in any event I mean woman man it's tough and and I liked how you um how you talked about that in the in your story um, can you just let people know a little bit about that time in your life when you were working for the corrections department? Okay. Well, I was I was with corrections in Ontario um, for 12 years, six years as a correctional officer working in a jail, um, 
and six years in community as a patient officer. And so the jail where I worked uh, is a remand center. So we basically got everybody who was charged with anything and was waiting for court or was waiting for sentencing or was waiting to be transferred or was doing short time. So we're talking murderers, rapists, drug dealers, you know, all the whole gamut we, we had in there, mostly men, some female inmates. Uh, I got into corrections because I really didn't have any direction in what I actually wanted to do once I graduated university. I had an English degree. There's not really a lot you can do with that <laughs> unless you go to teacher's college or, you know, that sort of thing, which I didn't really want to do. So there was nothing I really knew that I wanted to do. Like as a kid growing up, I don't remember ever thinking, oh, I want to be this when I grow up or I want to do that. It's And so... It just seemed to happen by accident. A friend of mine had been working in corrections on the other side of the country out in British Columbia, and I was talking to her, and, and she just mentioned how good a job she thought it was, and you know, because it paid well and whatever. So, and it didn't require a lot of training, um, sadly, because I think it needs to require more training now that I've worked in that profession and, and seen what I've seen and, and, you know, and understand it a little bit more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, it was an interesting choice and I did get in obviously, but, um, but as a, a fairly introverted person who doesn't really speak up much, you really need to learn how to do that when you work at a jail or you're not yeah. going to survive at all. So, so it was really, you know, as, as much as it was a negative work environment at times, it really gave me a lot of skills and a lot of tools coming out of it um, that I'm using now in building my own business. So, Well, and it's interesting um, being on the other side of that. I remember the first time actually walking into a jail thinking, why am I here? And as a parent, of course, you, you want to protect your child and you think that the yeah. system is against you. And I'm like, we need to change the whole system because... It's not working, I, from my point of view, it wasn't working effectively. And no. I think in your story, too, you said that the recidivism rate is huge because we're not training the kids. And a lot of the kids that are in there, I mean, they're the murderers and those guys, they're beyond you know, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kids that are getting in trouble for the first or second time. And they're, we're not working to help them understand what's going on and to how not to go back. Exactly. So how did that make you feel when you saw kids coming back? Well, it's it kind of, it's depressing, right? Like yeah. it, it just feels, and especially when I was in uh, working as a probation officer, because that's part of our job is to try and help people to, from reoffending, right? And getting them into the right programs and that sort of thing so they can learn to change their behavior. But I mean... A, people want to have to engage with that, right? Like they want to have to make those changes. And a lot of times, many of these people who are constantly in and out of the system, you know, they, they just don't see another way for themselves. And that's the unfortunate part is, is a lot of them have a long familial history with conflict with the law. So it was very often that we would have you know, young, younger adults in, but then we'd have their parents and their mm. grandparents had been in before them. So, you know, there was a lot of that in the area that I was living in, um, sadly, but that is people's reality. And, and when you're immersed in your reality and you don't see another way, then, you know, you just don't even try. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, that was, yeah, it, it was rough because, 
you know, you just feel like you're not having any kind of positive effect in that job because people just keep coming back and coming back. Yeah. So, you know. That's got to be frustrating because, I mean, we're all out here to try to help move people forward. And uh, it's frustrating when, you, when you're trying to give them the skills. But I think there's a lot that could be done in the system to really train, educate, and yes. get people ready to, uh, you know, work in a restaurant yeah. or even. Um, yeah, but what, no, I agree. There was something interesting. Your health um, deteriorated when you were working in the system. Is that correct? Well... I don't know if I would I would describe it that way. I was diagnosed with cancer while I was working in the system, okay. yes, but but I wouldn't say that my health deteriorated and I know that sounds Are you there? Shannon? Shane? Hello? Oh my goodness, she was right in the middle of the story about Is it her or me? Shane? I'm going to open up Dr. Tim. Tim? Yep, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I, I think can. we lost I think we lost Shane. Um, yep, I understand. Um, <laughs> and and being a cancer survivor myself, I can I can commiserate and understand. Yeah. Uh, you know, in 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 my own experience, uh, my health my own health did not deteriorate as a result of cancer. It typically does when you're in the latter stages, when you're going through chemo or when you're in palliative care, et cetera. Um, so in many cases, you know, diagnosis and, and initial treatment don't have anything to do with that. Yeah, um, I, think, I think where I was going with this is that uh, in her story, she was saying how she realized that it was time to take care of herself. And right not worry about what was going on around her and the people around her because so many of us are so giving of others that we forget to take care of ourselves. Yeah, and indeed. And another, another thing ironically that happens to people that go through traumatic experiences like that and certainly uh, a cancer diagnosis, cancer treatment, and survival of it um, leaves many, many people with a kind of survivor's guilt, yeah. a kind of nihilistic view of the universe. Keep going, Tim. She's, I'm trying to get her back on. Um, okay. And that's what, that's what happened is that, you know, she finally realized, I think, that she had to get out of that system that was so negative. I think she's right. back. back. You're back? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I've got yeah. Dr. Tim on. He, Tim came in just because I wasn't sure if it was, it was you or me that got lost. Okay. Um, so no, welcome my, back. My we're just talking. Oh, okay, yeah, well, we're talking. <laughs> she's in Greece. I'm so excited that she's here and she's coming to us from Greece. But Shane, what we're talking about is um, not that the, that the environment um, hurts your, your health, but you realize at that point that you are not in a good environment for you to be able to take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. And Can I, you explain I mean, what you did then? Yeah. Um, I mean, I the the environment may have had an impact on my health, but uh, but what I I mean, I just decided when I got that diagnosis that I was going to beat it. First of all, like I just there was no question in my mind at all, and it was Hodgkin's 
lymphoma that I was told that I had. So, but I, the thing was, is that I never felt sick from it. And that's like, that's why I don't say my health deteriorated because I, I've, you know, I went off work because I was part-time when, when I got diagnosed, but I had rolled over into a full-time job within a couple of months after that. So once I was able to be full-time and I, I had long-term sick leave options, so I was able to go off work and just take care of myself. Um, and so that's what I did. I just, you know, I was at home, I was active, I was, you know, I was doing Taekwondo six hours a week, I still played the hockey and soccer, you know, I was still very active through chemo, um, and only really got sick once from chemo, and I did nine rounds of chemo, and I, it, you know, it went, dragged out over about nine months, I think, um, when all was said and done, but, uh, but I didn't have any really negative side effects from the chemo, other than being tired on the day of, and, um, I even didn't really lose all my hair. I'd, I'd shaved it off because I didn't want to deal with the loss of it. And I had shaved my head before, so I knew what it looked like and I was okay with it. But, uh-huh. but I still had hair on my arms. Like, so I don't know if I would have lost all my hair if I hadn't shaved it. But regardless, it's, uh, I, there were really not a lot of negative side effects from the treatment. Did you ever go through the why me, though? Did you question uh-huh. why it was happening to you? I, you know what, I asked the doctor one time, I said, you know, and I asked him wh- why it happened and he just completely ignored the question because <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can't answer that, right? Like, yeah. and what I really, what, and, and I know, ne- honestly, I never really allowed myself to go down that rabbit hole because, you know, I mean, I, I considered a few different things and I know that in the town that I grew up in, small mill town, it was a pulp and paper mill. There is a high incidence of cancer in that town. There's, there probably still is, actually. It's largely from people who are working in the mill directly, but, um, but I think in the town in general, there's a very high incidence of cancer because chemicals are being poured into the lake and you know the groundwater is probably not fantastic in certain parts of town. So, And it's a small town. But I also spent my childhood in a swimming pool, so I was immersed in chlorine on a regular basis. So, you know... My body had a lot of access to chemical, but but since doing what I do now and, and learning the work that I've learned now, I also understand that there's an emotional component to the cancer that I didn't realize at the time. So let's move into that because you right now you you left corrections, you left probation, and you jumped. You did yep. something <laughs> totally unusual. I mean, out of care, and it's not out of character because looking back now, it really has become you. Tell everybody yeah. how you moved forward out of that because we sometimes get stuck in what's familiar and moved into something that has turned into your passion. Well, I, when I, when I got, was diagnosed and through the whole cancer experience, I also looked into alternative therapies because I wanted somebody to tell me that I didn't need chemo and that I could beat the cancer without taking chemotherapy. And there was nobody in my city at the time who was willing to say that to me. Uh, so I chose to do the chemo because I was still going from a, a fear base at that point. And, and so that was just the process that I needed to go through the experience I needed to have um, and, and to come through it with, you know, really with flying colors and all the nurses and everybody just couldn't believe how well I tolerated the chemo. But, uh, you know, it was a whole mindset shift for me. And then 
I mean, I was still working in corrections once I finished that, and, and then I was really kind of done with working in jail. I felt I'd learned everything I could learn, and there wasn't really anything more there for me. So I, I did a lateral move into probation and parole and spent six years there learning more about, you know, how to help people who are in, in the system. And, uh, and then eventually I'm just like, I can't stay in this system at all. Like I, I need to get out. And I knew actually, I knew from day one going in that I would not retire from that job. I mean, I, I was aware of that even then. So, um, so I just started to look for something else to do. And, and I got really, you know, at the time of the cancer, I got really focused on my health and I really, you know, I wasn't super unhealthy before, but I really kind of tightened up my diet and I, you know, I just stopped eating a lot of, a lot more processed foods essentially and, and just started eating a lot more whole foods and, you know, I wasn't never really a big drinker and I didn't ever use drugs or smoke. So none of those were really contributing factors to the illness, but, uh, but I know that, you know, now I know that all of that sort of thing can help create other problems in the body. So, um, so I looked, I got, I got into the health field and, and really because massage, the massage program at the local private college was a two-year program. So it was, it was easy. I could do it while I was still working in the office at probation. My boss was amazing and she allowed me to, to do both and accommodated my schedule for it. And yeah, and so I just, at the age of 36, I believe, I went back to school and, <laughs> and completely changed careers. So, um, and yeah, after I finished the program, it was two years, and then I think a year or so after that, I, I left corrections altogether. They wanted me to come back to the jail um, to work, because that's where my full-time position was, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that's going to happen. So I just immediately tendered my resignation from correctional services and and became self-employed completely which is very bold of you and brave and you left pensions and all that kind of stuff behind yeah so I, I was just reading your bio here I just want to read this to people I said because it's um, it's important it says Shane's work addresses not only the physical aspects of the body but the mental emotional and spiritual aspects as well recognizing that you cannot treat one area without affecting all of the others and expect to get good results. From reversing scoliosis and cancerous and benign tumors to releasing long-held emotional trauma and physical pain, Shane's clients have seen remarkable shifts in their bodies and minds with her treatments and programs. Explain to us what you are doing. What are you doing to help people you know, emotionally, spiritually? Because I, I work with a lot of women that have been through trauma, um, not necessarily physical trauma, but emotional. Uh, and then we've got lots of friends that have been through physical traumas. And I don't think any of us really want to be on drugs. Um, we look for some holistic methods. But explain to me how you're helping people and what you're doing right now. Well, I, uh, about a year after I finished my massage therapy program, I started taking courses with a guy um, named John Barnes who teaches an approach to myofascial release, and he's in the States. Um, he's a licensed physiotherapist and massage therapist, and he's been teaching this work for, I want to say, 40 years at this point, I think. And, and it's basically just a very gentle form of body work that allows you to really feel into the tissue because what I've learned through John and, and different reading, you know, material, different books and, and different people that have studied this particular system in the body, um, 
is that the fascial system in our body, which is connective tissue that you know holds all the fluid in our body, also holds trauma. You know, it's it's uh, it starts to solidify when we've had different traumatic experiences, and and that can look different for any everybody, right? Like it, trauma doesn't have to be you know a major physical accident. It doesn't have to be a major emotional abuse. It can be really seemingly small things that just over time start to pile up and, and accumulate in your body and, and start to solidify that, that fluid that's in there, which then puts pain and pressure on everything it surrounds, which is basically everything in the body. Um, and that causes pain and malfunction of cells and, you know, malfunction of, of joints. And so movement is affected and all that sort of thing gets affected and illness can, can result from that as well, because if the cells aren't functioning properly, then they mutate and, and that's how disease starts. So by releasing, like you can, with some of these techniques, you can actually turn that solidified fluid back into a fluid, uh, and then take the pressure off and everything starts to function normally again. So that's basically what I'm doing is is helping people do that within their physical body, but that has a it has effects on the mental and the emotional and and the spiritual as well, if people are willing to to kind of go to that level with the work. Well, you know, pain is is something that none of us want to have. Uh, it's annoying. It can be from a small you know backache from from sweeping the patio wrong uh, to f- really terrible pain no one wants to be in pain and so if someone is feeling uncomfortable or has a, has a pain what what do they do what's the first step they should take um, short of you know calling up the doctor and saying hey get me in and we're not this show is not about don't go to your doctor let's put it out there no, because no. I mean, we, need, doctors we need doctors are definitely you know they everybody every profession has its place and its function um, my belief is that doctors are, are overutilized for things that they don't really, that's not really their purview, right? That they can't really help people with and they don't deal with soft tissue injuries, you know, like that's not their function. That's not what they went to school for. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different profession, right? That deals with that sort of thing. But what I've also come to understand in my training is that most people that work in health professions, um, physiotherapists, doctors, all that sort of thing, who learn anatomy, don't learn what I've learned about the fascial system through John's teaching. And so they already don't have a full understanding of why people are in pain when people come in to see them. And that's why medication is often, you know, the only thing that they can offer you other than maybe going to see your physiotherapist, which is also not initially probably going to be as helpful as it could be if you don't address the problem a different way first. Um, and I guess I, that seems kind of vague, <laughs> really. Um, but my, my perception of the body is that if you're in pain, then there's something in your body that needs to be released. And so instead of going and getting exercises, which is just going to tighten your body up even more, you need to go and have your body loosened so your body you need to be able to breathe you need to allow your body to soften you need to create that space first and then if you still need to build strength or you know do anything else then you go see the person whose job it is to tell you how to do that kind of thing so Um, does it start with a massage or a chiropractor or i know you're very specialized in what you do where where would say something say that was bothering me i mean I, i look in my 
I'm, I'm not going I'm, to, I'm, well, let's knock on wood. I'm in pretty good shape. My husband, though, has had issues. And in the past, back was hurting, knees were hurting, all these things were hurting. It turned out to be his hip. He needed right. to get his hip replaced, which straightened up the rest of him. Um, mm. But, you know, if you were just, and then, you know, he was playing golf one day and was short of breath. You know, we stood up and, and we got lightheaded. And, of course, we go right to his heart, thinking that it was a heart issue. Right. Gets in the hospital, it turns out to be an ulcer. <laughs> Completely different from what we would yeah. have thought. You know, it had no manifestations right. of, of an ulcer. Um, yeah. But so there's so much involved in the body that we don't know. You know, I'm thinking, where do we go first? So what do you do? I remember we were together uh, in Punta Cana, and you had every but if, that wanted to participate because you have to be willing <laughs> <laughs> to lie down, right? And you did an assessment. Yeah. And can you do it, an assessment based on what you felt was the stress in our bodies? I don't – how do well, you do I it? I mean, I don't – I won't give you a diagnosis of what yeah. I think is going on because that's not – you know, I'm not – that's not my, my job to diagnose. Um, but I what I can – what I do understand is – how the stressors in people's lives and you know certain things that are happening in somebody's life is a, is having a direct impact on their physical health and so yes we can i can deal with your i can help you deal with your pain on a physical level by doing hands-on work by suggesting some self-care techniques that you can do on your own that will help to relieve the pain but really what people need to do is reconnect to their bodies because most of the time people are going through their lives and they're not really paying attention to their physical body um, on a level that they need to be. And, and even people who are very active and, you know, and look outwardly healthy can be very deceiving. There, there can be a lot of pain, a lot of injury, a lot of inflammation being held in their body um, that is affecting the way they move and, and how easily they move and how good they feel and, and that sort of thing. Um, and we have been, kind of conditioned to believe that as we get older, our bodies are going to fall apart. And that's just a foregone conclusion. And I categorically disagree with that 100%. I don't, you know, I don't think that that needs to happen. I think we can maintain or even enhance our physical um, abilities into our later years, you know, flexibility, strength, all of that can, can be very good up, you know, up until the day we die. If, if we, do the right things to maintain that. Like it doesn't just happen, but we also have to not kind of get in our own way and, you know, and put a lot of stress on ourselves and eat the wrong foods and not sleep enough or do jobs that we hate and, and just have that kind of negative energy around ourselves um, because that's largely what's creating a lot of illness for people um, is their entire environment, <laughs> right? Well, and I think we worry about what people think. I was talking to a couple of guys yesterday, and they said with the pandemic and everybody just in such a frenzy, they said, we just have to do you. You have to do yeah. you. Take care of you. Exactly. And I'm looking yeah. at my mom and dad who are 86 and 91 in yeah. very good shape for their age, and I'm thinking, so what have they done? And they have participated, they've exercised their whole lives. It's not a lot right now, but they're still making an effort to walk and to get into the pool and well, to have some sort of social life. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't need to be a lot of exercise, right? No. Like it, it, 
It just needs to be movement and it needs to be movement that you enjoy because if you're forcing yourself to work out when you really hate it, that's going to create more stress and more problems rather than, you know, be helpful to you. Absolutely. And that creates that emotional, like you say, emotional baggage. Um, I'm thinking of a lot of the things that have happened to us have been emotional. They've, you know, it's in the women, in the, uh, online relationship era of, you know, the online relationship scammers is definitely an emotional thing. It's a physical thing that manifests in so much stress. And that's when you see people's health starting to go down. So how do we release that emotional baggage that's trapped in our tissue? Well, there's a number of different techniques that you can do, and and I've actually created a program that combines several of them, But uh, and that's a self-treatment program. Um, but, I mean, myofascial release, you know, feeling into your body, into your own body is, is a good start. Uh, learning to breathe properly and being aware of when you aren't breathing properly and deeply because even just like it sounds so simple, too simple almost to be very helpful, but but it's it's actually true and it's so effective just to sit and do some deep breathing, even for a couple of minutes, you know, and just breathe in so that your stomach, your belly kind of pushes out first and then your chest so that you're really taking in those deep breaths and then exhaling it all and just letting your body soften. Um, like I said, uh, nice gentle movements, you know, like something that's not going to really tax your system is going to help relieve some stress. Uh, a lot of people say that heavy exercise really helps them relieve stress. And, and I can see that from a mindset point of view. I do understand that. But at the same time, you're also really stressing your physical body. So whether it's as beneficial as people think it is, that's up for debate. But, uh, but movement and light exercise is definitely helpful as well. Um, and well, I, en- I enjoy uh, water aerobics. And I, part yeah. of it is the, the physical exercise. Part of it is being there with the 80-year-old ladies because I'm the youngest and it's fun <laughs> to see, thinking I want to be like them. Um, and then when I walk with my husband, we'll walk th- two or three miles. Um, we hold hands when we walk. And so for me, it's the physical contact, but also the opportunity to talk and release, you know, whatever's been going on in our day as we're getting some physical exercise. It's, it's, it's a mental exercise. It's a, it's a really fun time. And, you know, at the end of the walk, I'm like, I'm so glad that you made me take this walk. <laughs> he didn't make me do it, but there, you know, sometimes no. you're sitting in the house going, I really don't want to get out in this heat. Yeah. Um, but it's worth doing because that yeah. that releases those and en- en- the, en- the endorphins and the and just it just makes you feel better. Um, so it's it's, about, it's those little things. It's about recognizing that. It, yes, it's about recognizing that and 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 continuing doing them. Right, as as hard as it is sometimes to be motivated to get out and do it, you always know you're going to feel better once it's done. So you know that's why I say mindset is is really one of the first things you have to kind of change for yourself in order to, to start changing your health and, and start feeling better because you have to, you have to believe that by doing whatever it is that you're going to do is going to help you. So this is motivation enough to actually go and do it. Well, <laughs> and I believe too, moderation, like moderation in all things. Yeah. You don't want to overdo it. Absolutely. You know? And I moderate yeah. how many peanut M&Ms I eat during the day. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so I'm not going to totally deprive myself of that because I'll get the dark chocolate ones and 
and get, yeah, and get the healthy. good one. There you go. You know, peanuts and a little bit of protein. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So it's important not to deprive yourself because then you're going to resent what you're doing and that just will stress you out. So yeah, yeah. Have you been able to do some of your things in videos so people can see what you're doing? Because I know you're in Greece, we're in America. How do we connect yeah, with you? The whole program is online. Like it, I actually when when we were in Punta Cana, I was creating this program, and now it's 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 actually a functioning program and it's on my website and people can go and, and buy the program and, and, and it's a four month. Pro I give you four months to go through all the techniques. And once you've learned the techniques, you don't really need the program anymore because they're lifelong and they're really kind of, once you understand them, they're very easy to do and, and, and incorporate into your day. So you don't even need to, you know, you don't need to set aside an hour of your day to do this. It, it's great if you want to, but you know, you could be doing some of these techniques as you, sit in your car driving or sit at work or, you know, stand in a line somewhere or whatever. Go ahead and give us your website. Okay. So the website is treattheelite.com. So treattheelite.com. And elite is a mindset in my mind. You know, a lot of people see that and they think, oh, it's for, you know, high level athletes or high performers of some sort. And it doesn't have to be, right? Everybody needs this work. And this program will benefit everyone from high-level athletes to just sedentary seniors. So, and it's adaptable for everybody as well. So, yeah, it's. Uh, and well, it's I love that the the, uh, the acronym that you use because it really means emotional experience, letting go, intuition, touch, and expansion. Yeah, yeah, and that's everybody. In, in order to release stuff from your body, you have to reconnect to it. Like you really just have to start to get present with yourself and, and get real with yourself about what's going on and, and how you're getting in your own way and how you're contributing to your own illness because I believe we create all of our own illness and disease. So, and we have the power to heal it because the body is designed to heal itself if we let it. So this is one of the ways that you can help it heal itself. Um, and we all know what we're doing, you know, that's, that's getting in the way. We know when we're creating a lot of stress in our lives or not eating well for long periods of time or, you know, that sort of thing. We, we know, like, we don't need other people to tell us when we're not doing that usually. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as the movement stuff and, and just even the breath work and that sort of thing, like, just the combination of it all is just really, really effective. So. And, and everybody that's used the program to this point has, has said that is, you know, I mean, it's basically a hundred percent success rate with that program. So yeah, it, it really does work if you want well, to start to feel better and move better and, and just live better all, all together. And it starts with recognizing that something's going on in your body. And like you said, we all know that. And I loved, I was, when I was reading about um, your story of going through chemo and how you wanted to have positive thoughts for chemo and you wore your life is good t-shirt. <laughs> yep. That made me, it made me, it's made me smile because I'm thinking, it's like a friend of ours, Vizmaya Rubin, Vizmaya has these gratitude shirts. Mm -hmm. You know, she's the gratitude gangsta. And it's all about, not all, but much of it is mental and our thoughts about where we're going to be manifesting positive things. I was going through that yesterday. I was stressed, getting a little bit stressed because my, with COVID, my product for my company, my vitamin supplements, the, the manufacturers had run out of bottles. 
how do you run out of bottles, right? <laughs> Completely out of my control. But here I'm sitting here with 12 bottles left, and I have an order for 240. So I'm like, okay, so what am I going to do? Do I have to tell my client that I'm not going to have it? I'm going to be back ordered. And you know, all these things are racing through my mind. I'm like, take a pause. Just breathe. And now manifest that the stuff's going to come. Yeah. And wouldn't you know, later that day I got an email from the manufacturer said, we're shipping tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, hooray! Everything is always working out for you. <laughs> well, you have to think positive because yeah. I could have really spun myself into a tizzy and, uh, and there's no control. So I love that. I love that. You know, take care of yourself first. Yeah. Life is good. The stuff that's yeah. going, we're, we're dealing with is short term um, and we can make it a whole lot worse. Yeah. Well, and we're meant to learn from it, right? Like we really are. So, and it's well, up to us if we want to learn from it the first time or if we want to repeat it a few times to really get the message. <laughs> That's just the path everybody's, you know, it's different. Everybody's on a different path. So some people well, need that opportunity to learn five or six times. Some people only need it once, but, you know. Absolutely. Don't judge yourself for it, right? Like you got to be easy with yourself and just be like, okay. Absolutely. Differently, right? I, you know, and it's, and I just, okay, I'm, I'm facing this situation again. I need to deal with it differently this time. And, and it could just be one minor thing that you change, and, and that changes the whole course of, of where you go from. So, Well, yeah. on, that, on that note of doing things a little bit differently, I have Dr. Tim McGinnis with me. Tim is the founder of SCARS, which is a Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. I'm on their board. And Tim actually is a cancer survivor also. He had mentioned that when we had lost contact with you earlier. Um, yeah. Tim, are you back on the line here? I am. <laughs> Is your voice there? <laughs> so Yes, I, I'm here. Tim, I want to give your little feedback on this one because we, ha- we work with a lot of folks that have had trauma, that have had a lot of stress in their lives. Um, what, what, do you, what are you feeling here? Um, I, I think the, the challenges are that there are a variety of differing opinions on the subject. But let me just say this. I think the one thing that was brought out in this that absolutely I 100% agree with is that breathing exercises are foundational in everybody's health, not just from the physical, because it actually is. The more you oxygenate your tissues, both, you oxidize, but you also feed your body's ability to fight disease. So breathing is incredibly important. But it is also vital in your mental health. It oxygenates the brain, but it also is a relaxation and a de-stressing technique. So participating in programs that can teach you breathing in an ironic twist, is incredibly important this year, perhaps more this year than at any time in recent history. I've just come through my second bout of COVID, and second time was actually easier than the first. The first time, uh, I immediately went into pneumonia, and the result is it took me six months to heal from the lung damage that resulted from that. I didn't have to go on oxygen or anything of that nature. But nevertheless, it was, for me, just going to the store felt like I was 
you know, it just moved to Denver, Colorado. <laughs> it was noticeable, palpable, and I could feel it. Now, we have friends who are just coming out of the hospital with severe cases uh, of COVID, and they're going to be on oxygen for the next two months because of the lung damage that they have. So, ironically, breathing exercises help increase lung functionality, help decrease the possibility of pneumonia, and can help your lungs heal and your body as a whole. Oxygenating is incredibly important to fighting viruses and preventing disease, but for the victim communities that we work with, it's also incredibly important at stabilizing hormones and reducing stress and anxiety that just contribute to greater anxiety and greater physical harm. So it's a simple thing, so obvious, but any program that you can participate in that will help you be guided down that path to proper breathing exercises, knowing when, knowing how, knowing how to effectively do it during the course of the day, uh, breathing exercises before you go to bed, when you wake up in the morning, uh, at various times of the day, coupled with even nominal exercise can be profoundly helpful, um, is something that we do recommend to the victims' communities that we serve. And it's also, if you are traumatized, it is a tremendously useful tool in helping to mitigate and release that trauma that you experienced. Well, thanks, Tim. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting here, and as we're talking about breathing, I'm sitting up straighter, my shoulders are back, I'm trying to do what Shane just said, you know, breathe out so your, your belly goes out, and you can feel the calm. You can physically feel the pause that your body's taking, and uh, yeah. I hope everybody else is doing that too, <laughs> you know, it's fun. And actually, a couple of weeks ago, I had a gal said, if you start looking up too, look up, that lifts up your emotional feelings, your, your mind just goes up. And that brings your shoulders back and your head up and, you know, opens up the whole body for breathing. It's, it's an amazing thing, this body of ours. <laughs> so, thank you, Tim. And Shane, I really um, thank you for what you're doing. And one last thing, I want to know what has led you to traveling around the world because you have not sat still for, for a couple of years. Well, I've... I've been kind of forced to sit still lately, but even even in the midst of all these lockdowns, I've still managed to travel. Um, I, you know, I just I needed to to expand my business and do something more. I needed to leave where I was, and that really was what precipitated my decision to to sell my home, all my vehicles, my toys, everything. I basically got rid of everything I own and just started to travel. Um, and have done so for the past two years, really. So, um, three years maybe now. Yeah, wow. Time <laughs> flies. Four. Yes, it does. And so I really, I haven't actually been back to Canada yet this year, and and that's largely due to the travel restrictions and that sort of thing. But, you know, it was just I was I was in Australia at the beginning of the year. I was in London when when COVID really hit and everything started to shut down. So I just decided to stay there instead of trying to get back to Canada. 
um, and I was in Poland for a little bit, and now I'm in Greece. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been as things have opened, we're able to travel in in the European Union a little bit easier. So that's well. I remember being in Greece when I was stationed over in Germany in the 80s, and it was one of my absolute favorite places. Um, my favorite restaurant here in Florida is a little Greek restaurant, and I'm visualizing now, you know, the white buildings and the blue water, and I'm, part of me really wishes I was over there with you. It's just so beautiful yeah. over there. Oh, it is beautiful. It's definitely beautiful, and probably one of the best places that we could be during this whole, you know, during this whole time, this craziness that's happening. You know, we're, we're on Crete. We are, you know, kind of in a remote area, not not really. I mean, we're not far from a city, but we're not in a city. We're just kind of in a little village, and and you know, you can still go out for a walk outside and and not have to wear a mask because you're not going to run into anybody except the goats, right? So, so it <laughs> sounds nice. sounds um, idyllic right now. Yeah, and I mean, view of the ocean, and you know, and we've got our own pool and all that kind of stuff. So it's all right, everybody. Sh- Shane has just invited us to go to Crete. <laughs> <laughs> if we can get out of our countries. If you uh, can get over here, I suggest coming because, you know, there's tons of places to stay. It's the off season and it's, you know, prices are super reasonable and, and they're allowing people in as far as I know still. So Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being our guest today. I'm really glad we were able to connect. And, and yeah, if anybody, you know, go to, do, go to Shane's website. It's treattheelite.com. And learn these techniques. You know, we're not saying don't go to a doctor. You certainly need to do that if you have if you have a problem. But there are times like just sit still, put your shoulders back, breathe. You know that yeah. deep breath and take a pause to try to get some of the stress out of your life and do things for yourself. You know, do you is what I'm saying now is is make sure that you're taking care of yourself first. It's like being on an airplane. Get the oxygen first. You know, and then give the mask to your children or your yeah. parents or whoever is sitting beside you that might need help. Yes. But, you know, thank you, Shane. We, we, uh, you have a book out there. It's available on, on Amazon. Yes? Yes, it is. Yeah. A okay. User's Guide to the Human Body. Yeah. Say that again. A User's Guide to the Human Body. User's Guide to the Human Body came out in February of 2020, available on Amazon. And we wish you the very best in Crete. Stay healthy. Stay happy. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you come back to the States... Well, I saw you in Dominican Republic. Maybe we'll see you back here in the States one time. But in the meantime, we watch Shane uh, on LinkedIn. She's on Facebook. She's around the world and doing some great stuff. So we really appreciate you being with us, Shane. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you know anyone or if you yourself have been a victim to fraud or scam, report it to anyscam.com and ic3.gov. It's important to speak up and stand up and let people know that you're okay. Remember to join my, to visit my website, thewomenbehindthesmile.com, and join my Facebook group, Stand Up and Speak Up, for special information and replays. This episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone that you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out Benfotiamine products at benfocomplete.com and use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks everyone for being with us today. Have a great week. I'm looking forward to my guests next week and all of you come back. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye now.